If I had a dollar for every time a non-believer said, I thought you were a Christian, I'd be one wealthy Christian. People really kill me with that statement. And what gets me is their ignorance of Christianity. If I were perfect, I wouldn't need a savior. But I love shutting them down with the statement, I'm a work in progress. And if my heavenly father doesn't judge me, then why are you? Man, you should see the look on their tight faces. They can't argue that one. But what's even more frustrating is there are some church folks that will let that same comment fall from their lips. Always so quick to turn down their noses at people, judging people by their own personal standards, not God's. And truthfully, not even knowing a person's story or their struggles. And then you got those that will know a person's struggles and will still judge them. Woo! Those holier-than-thou Christians who have not yet realized that there is liberty in Christ Jesus. He will meet you right where you are, and once he delivers you, he won't hold your past against you. Unlike my co-worker Lydia, who loves to inform everyone that she is named after the first female that converted to Christianity in the Bible. Yes, my parents, who are devout Christians, understood that there is power in the name. Therefore, named me Lydia. After the first female to convert to Christianity, I am endowed with the anointing to convert heathens to Christ. Hallelujah. She goes on and on about mothers doing their children a disservice if they don't give them a biblical name. So, of course, she tries to link everything she deems negative about a person to their name if it isn't biblical. Mm, mm, mm. Just look at them living up to that heathen name. Thank God she doesn't know that before I earned my BA in physical therapy, I was a stripper for one of the area's most on and popping strip clubs. That's how I paid my way through school. And of course, I was the baddest dancer at the club. Your girl was caked up for real. Ow! But I digress. And like I said, I was freed from that line of work. Thank you, Jesus. But I can hear the indignation in Lydia's voice and see it written all over her face if she knew my past. Especially since my mama, according to Lydia, obviously didn't put much thought into naming me Diamond. Oh, my sweet baby Jesus. Diamond, you poor thing. You didn't stand a chance. You had to twerk your way through college. Girl, bye. I've been redeemed. My past no longer holds me hostage. I'm now the daughter of the Most High God. He loved me then and continues to love me now as I walk this newfound Christian journey with him. Unfortunately, I didn't always understand that. You see, life was hard. I was born to a drug dealing daddy and a mama who was an inspiring singer that started using the very product being pushed from her home when motherhood took a toll on her and her career goals. Eventually, things got so bad, my granny, God bless her soul, had to remove me from the household. Granny was a praying woman 
who not only kept me covered in prayer, but my mama and my daddy too, believe it or not. She made sure I attended Sunday school every week and that I walked a few blocks to service on the Sunday she was too weak to make it herself. She passed away my junior year of high school. Granny made me promise I would stay away from drugs and attend college and do something positive with my life. After she passed, I bounced from relative to relative. However, I did manage to graduate high school and was determined to attend college, even though there were no scholarships being tossed my way. A female bartender at one of the local clubs I used to hang at put me on to the strip club she bartended for. She said everyone that worked there was female except the bouncers. <laughs> I thought, hey, an all-girl club? Cool, I can handle that. Little did I realize how hard it would be for me to take the first step on stage. I was a nervous wreck. So I threw back a couple of shots, and after that, it was on. It didn't take long for me to stack the cash I needed for classes. I was ecstatic. I took classes during the day and danced at night. After a while, my crazy schedule started to take a toll on me, and one day somebody at the club offered me an Addy to give me a boost of energy and help me focus. All I wanted to do was keep my promise to Granny and make her proud. Eventually, I ended up taking Valium to help with the insomnia, which was a side effect of the Addy, and ended up in the hospital. I was physically and mentally burned out. As I laid in the hospital crying for my Granny, I heard her soft, but strong voice saying, It's not me you need to cry out to, baby girl. It's the Lord. As the tears flowed, I whispered, God, the only way I'm going to get my life together is with your help. After being released from the hospital, I went back to the old neighborhood church. I am so grateful for my church family, the ones who are truly operating in the love of the Lord welcomed me back with open arms. There was no judgment, just a celebration of the prodigal daughter's return. Of course, there were a few folks giving me the side eye after the Lord gave me the confidence to share my testimony, but I didn't let the folk that had yet to allow the word of God to saturate their hearts to keep me from my deliverance and healing. I focused on the Lord and the saints that prayed with me and for me. Eventually, I ended up mentoring other young women through our outreach ministry. I was even blessed with employment through one of my church members, which enabled me to finish my education. Thank God for a praying grandmother who grew me up on the foundation of the Lord, knowing that if I ever departed, I would one day return.
You really need to stop, Lydia. You stay doing the most, and all in the name of Jesus. Diamond, the word of the Lord says, If you are ashamed of me before man, I'll be ashamed of you before the Father. Lydia, stop twisting the word of God to suit your needs. You can't pick and choose verses trying to take the word of God out of context to make your point. Oh, Diamond, please. I have read the Bible all of my life, and I know what God's word says. I don't doubt that. Reading the Bible and studying the Bible are two totally different things, Lydia. And trust me, you aren't going to win souls for Christ by Bible bashing. You church folk are the reason so many people are turned off from seeking Jesus. Church folk? What's that supposed to mean? It means people like you who take the word of God and use it for your self-righteous judgment. And unlike you, my refusing to preach to every client that walks through the door is not denying the Lord. I love the Lord with all my heart, but I only share my testimony when the Holy Spirit prompts me to do so. When the Spirit lets me know someone needs a right now word. I pray daily, asking the Lord to give me discernment and to allow me to be in tune with his voice so I can be used by him. Oh, my Lord, Diamond, we're supposed to boldly proclaim God's word. I mean, I understand we are in a unique position to minister to those who have given up hope, especially when limbs are lost or paralysis is the reality. But Lydia, I refuse to tell someone the reason they are not making progress is because they don't know the Lord. You are, in essence, doing more harm than good. You are telling them that it's the Lord's fault they're struggling in their rehabilitation, that he is punishing them for not acknowledging him. And why not? Why shouldn't I speak the truth? Lydia, because it's not the truth. Diamond, at the end of the day, everyone knows who Jesus is, whether they acknowledge him or not. Yes, that part is truth. Nature declares his very existence. Who else hung the stars, the moon, and the sun in the heavens? Who else told the ocean how far it could come onto land? But Lydia, for those who are lost, it's not that black and white. That is why it's so important for those of us who know Christ and his redemptive power to let our lives declare it. Let our actions and our reactions display the nature of Christ as his Holy Spirit works within us, changing our hearts and our thoughts from things of the world to that which is spiritual and eternal. If we do that and share our stories about our Damascus encounter with Jesus, and how he changed our perspective and gave us a new outlook on life, the Lord God himself will do the rest.
Didn't I tell y'all that Lydia was something else? She is the poster child for church folk. Huh? What are church folk? I'm glad you asked. Although I'm sure you already know, but you may just call them something else. Or you yourself may very well be church folk. If you are, God bless you. We still love you. We just need for you to understand that in spite of your intentions, you may be doing more harm than good. You see, church folk are those that like to act like they've been saved and sanctified all their lives. Like they were never out here in these streets or in this world doing things that their parents or elders thought was sinful or inappropriate. They are typically at church every Sunday and some are even involved in almost every ministry in the church. If they could take on the role of pastor, they probably try to do that too. But what makes them church folk is not that they're involved in everything. It is the intent behind their involvement. Whether they even realize it or not, they're at church Sunday after Sunday because they don't want to miss out sitting in judgment. Judging and asking why so-and-so came to church dressed like that. Why they allow sister so-and-so up in the kitchen. Why them kids not behaving. Why deacon such-and-such up there sleep. Why was that person allowed to teach Sunday school? Why is the choir not singing hymnals and the musicians mixing in that secular music? You name it, they got something to say about it. And in their constant judgment of people and situations, they turn people off from the church and God and or wound people deeply. None of the scenarios are good for the body of Christ. Church folk are caught up in tradition and how they think things should be. And some use God's word out of context to condemn people. They forget that all have sinned, including them. None of us walking this earth is perfect. We all have said things, done things, and thought things that aren't good. But when you're saved, meaning you confess the Lord Jesus as your personal savior, you've been justified. Justification removes the guilt stain and penalty of sin. This was done when Jesus died on the cross for our sins. It was a one-time act. Now that you are saved, justified, the next part is the sanctification process. Sanctification is being set apart for a particular use and a special purpose or work and to be made Christ-like. This is a lifetime process that is on us to do. The only way sanctification takes place is if we submit to the Holy Spirit and grow in him by studying his word and developing a personal relationship with him. If this doesn't take place, then you'll just be what I call stuck on save. You believe, you confessed, but that's about as far as it went. And unfortunately, that's where some of our church folks sit. Not all, but some. Now, don't get me wrong. There are most certainly things that happen in the church 
and in life in general that need to be addressed. But it is all in the manner in which it is done. When Jesus was dealing with the Samaritan woman at the well, he didn't shun her for her nationality. He didn't berate her or call her out of her name because of how she was living. He simply acknowledged her indiscretions, but still displayed his loving kindness and ministered to her. And because of his treatment of her, she went on to tell people about her experience with Christ and many others came to believe in him and his word. That's discipleship. And that's what God called each of us to do. Since none of us have a heaven or a hell to put someone in, we need to rid ourselves of self-righteous indignation and judgment and remember that we too are sinners saved by grace and simply point people to the transforming love of Christ like someone did for us. And those of us that have been on the receiving end of that type of judgment, please try not to let an unfortunate incident taint your view of all believers. As stated, none of us are perfect. And even those that sit in judgment have their own stories that make them who they are and do what they do. So we all just need to operate in more grace and with love. This concludes today's episode of Church Folk and Saints. Make sure you stay tuned for when the next episode drops. 